Crowhill here. Today we review an IPA and discuss the art of war. Hello and welcome to Beer and Conversation with Pigweed and Crowhill. Good evening, Pigweed. Good evening, Crowhill. What's on your mind today? Well, I guess the same thing that's on everyone's mind. Yeah, what's that? The Ukrainian war. Oh, my gosh. Ukraine. Yeah. But uh, while I was researching today's topic, I also heard some news about the Russians bringing in the Chechens. Yeah. Which is interesting because they just recently were fighting the Chechens. I don't know how they got them on their side, but they have a long tradition of being mercenaries Hmm. because of what... Of what sort of fierce fighters they are. Okay. So they send in the Chechens who don't get very far at all, which probably surprised a lot of people. Yeah. But the, 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 what they pointed out in the news is that the Ukrainians know how the Chechens fight. I see. And that made me think of Sun Tzu. Yeah, if you know if you know what somebody's going to do, you can counter it. That you have to know your you have to know your opponent, right? And that just going in with the arrogance of we don't care who we fight, right. we'll fight anybody anywhere. Yeah, it's like, well, do you really want to do that? I think you want to know. And so apparently they know what Chechen fighting tactics are like, uh-huh. and uh, we're able to repel them. Okay, that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is cool. All right, so... What um, else is interesting? Yeah, what is this beer This here? beer, which might be the beer I've been trying to brew my entire career. Is that right? Well, yeah. it's a... Uh, it might be. It's... it's Okay, so just first, right. first uh, empiricens. Yeah. It's got a very nice head. It's like a slightly creamy head. Mm-hmm. Um, the color is kind of coppery. Yes, coppery. It's... Um, it looks very nice, and so I'm not getting a huge amount of hop aroma, but it's some. The the as I brought up in the past, the the California Budweiser Yellow mostly hops IPA is yeah. not my thing. Right, I like a little bit of a multi backbone, as they say, East Coast style. And how I got this, and I and you can do that using crystal malts. This is a 60-40, two-row 60-40 Munich, mm-hmm. and dark Munich. Dark Munich isn't dark, really dark. It's, the light Munich is 10, dark Munich is 20, so it's a Lobo little bit. Bond, so, yeah. Right, whatever so, that is, but, yeah, right. but it's not really dark. So, it's not, it's not crystal, it's... I'm getting this really fascinating interplay between the, the maltiness and the, and the sticky... Uh, hoppiness to the bitterness. I, I wish I printed out my stuff here because I, I, I forget. I think it's mosaic. And you ever use a CTZ? No. Which it's just I don't know why that this is a blend. It's it's Columbus, Tomahawk, and Zeus hmm. for some reason that they they get blended together. Hmm. I, don't, I don't know if if the plant is fused together and it's producing <laughs> one hop, or if they're actually taking three different hops and putting them in the same bag. Yeah. Anyway, CTZ. It's got it's got all of that stickiness. It's so this, got is, the this is actually very interesting because it's got it's got the malty backbone, but it's almost like that malty backbone is so closely married in with this with this sticky uh, hop bitterness 
that it produces a, a flavor all its own. Uh, I mean, I think I've locked down the chupacabra. Yeah. I have been tweaking and toying with uh, this sort of multi, semi-multi East Coast IPA mm-hmm. for years. I might just call it. I think that's pretty good. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm thrilled with it. Yeah. All right. I love it. Okay. So Sun Tzu and the Art of War. Now, of course, you know, every topic that we cover... There's always a Star Trek tie-in, and I, I oh, usually oh boy, I usually I usually don't uh, don't bring them up because I can't do that all the time. But there was actually an episode of uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation that <laughs> that where Riker was a big advocate of <laughs> yes. Sun Tzu. It's if you watch the clip, it's like incredibly hideous how bad the acting is and how bad it's 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 so childish. But anyway, but what so, but, but what uh, what is it so? He's ready to destroy the Enterprise and all of humans, and it's Riker's devotion uh, it, to Sun Tzu that, like, but he's standing right. But he's standing. But there's 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 a Sun Tzu element to his uh, lack of fear. Yeah, that is so, that he is so impressed by that he, he says, says, "No, never mind. I won't kill hey, you all. I won't kill you all." And Let's go have a beer, and you tell me more about this Sun Tzu guy. <laughs> Got to hear more. It's it's really cheesy and stupid, but anyway, there's, and there's actually, almost uh, always. If you don't mind, do you mind if I do the Sun Tzu? Can I do that the rest of the show? If or you, you want, yeah, I I'd, I'd probably rather not do it. Yeah. <laughs> so the actual Sun Tzu is uh, goes so far back that Western minds, I think it shows the development of China. Over Europe, that you did not, that I did not realize that. Well, who was in Europe century, in the fifth century BC? Nobody, fifth century BC, they, they were doing anything. They were. It was just a backwater of yeah. a bunch of tribes just living off the land. Great. They, they were scraping animal hides with rocks and stuff. There was yes, and so in the fifth century on. BC, it looks like feudal Europe. So it's basically a thousand years ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like the 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 armor, the warfare, the way the way that the feudal lands are divided up, the way that the the idea of they bring up the idea of chivalry, which mm-hmm. we did a fantastic show on. Yes. But again, that was a thousand years yeah. after Sun Tzu. This is the same period. This is the exact same period as both Confucius mm-hmm. and Lao Tzu. So uh, Taoism and Confucianism and the the art of war all come from essentially the the same region and the same century. So what I what I learned listening to uh, Melvin Bragg. Man, I wish I heard that. Yeah. So by the way, if you if you're interested in history, science, or just like cool conversation by smart people. Listen to the In Our Time podcast. It's actually very good. It's really great. So one thing that that he mentioned about this particular book is that this this came out of a period where the Chinese were sort of obsessed with classifying things. There there was all all kinds of literature coming out of this time where they were kind of going through and, and figuring out, well, what is it that defines a this against that? And what is it that distinguishes this thing from the other thing? And it was kind of in that context hmm. that this particular book came out talking about war. And and the thing they said about um, Sun Tzu is that he was not a general. He was just an advisor. He was just okay. one of one of these sort of educated people who, who were involved in this whole task of 
I mean, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, uh, who's Aristotle's, why am I, why am I missing this? Aristotle's, Plato? No, no, no. His, Aristotle's, uh, Aristotle's, uh, student. Oh, Alexander Al- the Great. Thank you. Alexander the Great. It's, it's kind of like this desire to go out and classify everything. Mm-hmm. But it was happening in the fifth century BC in China. Mm-hmm. And, and they're trying to take all these different, um, elements of the world and humanity and life and write out this is how you the do rules it. of the rules of exactly uh-huh. and the rules of war the art of war is one of the things that came out of that interesting now but when i brought the chivalry like prior to sun tzu yeah there was there were these there were the kind of gentlemanly rules of conduct mm-hmm. of conquest that was more the confucianist confucius I yes think, right. And he's like, all right, that that it, it was a break from that. Yes, right. It was. He's saying just win, damn it. Right. Yeah. But he also, but 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 without a total war attitude. Right. right? It wasn't like the way that we we just murder everybody. Yeah. He's like and not, and I don't think that because he had any problem with that. It was just like that's just not the most efficient way to 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 go to war. Exactly, and this reminded me of another character that we've uh, done a show on, which is Machiavelli. Yeah, right. Uh, it, the, Sun Tzu's art of war reminded me of this. Just Jeez. forget, forget morality, forget all this other kind of stuff. Here are the practical things that you need to do. Yes, in Machiavelli, he had both. The uh, Christian morality and the classical ideals, right? And he didn't care about either of them. Exactly, he was just saying, "Forget all that stuff." That's if not you, how you're going to you, win. If you want to win, if you want to make money, if you want to you now, know, was find- he was was? I I know that in modern warfare, that in terms of like, let's say the, the Viet Cong, which I'm going to get into later, yeah, they were fully aware and fully had read the text. Yeah, was the text. Available and oh, were were was Alexander the well not Alexander the Great he's too, he would be too close but let's just say Julius Caesar mm-hmm. or uh, Machiavelli even even the, what is that thirteenth century fourteenth century yeah I doubt it so so the how the, about Napoleon was it was yeah it, Napoleon or, actually did read it but okay. the but the um the the text trying to figure out exactly when the text came from is is difficult they they think it goes back to fifth century BC China but the as with most ancient texts, there are questions about different versions and different iterations of the text. So they're not exactly sure when the version of the text that we have today was, right. was kind of finalized. Uh-huh. So, so it probably originated in 5th century BC China and maybe went through some revisions a couple of centuries. And the, and the version that we have today m- may possibly be like 2nd or 3rd century BC China, but, but the, the kernel of it started farther back than that. Yes, yeah, so it's uh, it's not very long. You, yeah. uh, I, I I didn't read it; I only read summaries of it. But even the parts that I did listen to, it's only it's only an hour long. Yeah. to have somebody read it, so it's not. I've read volumes and volumes. I've read parts of it, and my my reaction was somewhat similar to my reaction to like Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance or other. Other books where people say, this is so deep, you need to read it. Right. And I read it and I'm thinking, it's really not that deep. And, yeah. and I think, I think what's going on 
is that there, there are different types of writing. There are some things where the point is right in front of you. You know, they, they make the point clearly and explicitly and you read it and you say, wow, that's an interesting point. And then there are other things, another style of writing that sort of invites you to a more contemplative way of thinking exactly. about if, it. If, if, if it had been written in, in the, the former, then it would have been confined to 5th century China. Mm-hmm. And the, the, its sort of generalness and its vagueness is responsible for its longevity. Yeah. And, and, I, it, and, it, and its application into any other, in, into all areas of conflict. I, yes, I think it's one of those types of texts that you can't just read it. You have, you have to spend some time with it. And so, like, the, the sections of it that I've read, I read through them the way a 21st century American would read through it, and it didn't do anything for me. But but now that I've, like, read some summaries and some other applications right. and things of it, I realize that's not the way you read this text. Yeah. The way you read this text is you you read a little bit, and you stop, and you think about it, and you say... You know, how might this apply in this situation? How might this apply in this other situation? Right. And it does, and there are no answers provided. Yeah. What it mostly is doing is saying, these are the questions you need to ask yourself in this situation, in, yeah. in each stage of your conflict. And so number one, in the, the chapter one is what, it's not that, that war is the highest calling, but it's the most fundamental to who we are. Like every every creature is in conflict with this this the the harmony of nature is not a real thing. Yeah, you know that that's that's something that people need to hear is that <laughs> we when I was growing up, we were told this this total nonsense that humans are the only species that make war, you know, against themselves. <laughs> we, we were told all this airy-fairy crap. Yeah, yeah, it's no, a bunch of nonsense. You. you know, chimpanzees have wars all the time. They they rip one another to shreds when they c- cross uh, boundaries. They, yeah, they don't... They, animals, well, they, they, well the, the difference, I guess, would be that once the other guy runs away, then the alpha male... Doesn't hunt him down only and within murder only, him only within his own troop. Uh, within his own troop, he doesn't kill. But the guy from the other troop, he'll rip him to pieces. Right? Yeah. So the, the side, so but but that hierarchy is go, uh, probably goes down to amoebas. Yeah. I mean, that is <laughs> right, yeah. that is our natural state. Yeah. Is conflict and hierarchy. You know, you drive you drive up the parkway. And you look at, especially, this will, this will be especially obvious in a couple of months here. You drive up the parkway and you see these trees trying to grow and you see these vines growing on them, trying <laughs> yeah, to right. choke, trying to choke them to death, right? Because the vine doesn't give a crap about the tree. I mean, conflict and warfare is kind of fundamental to. So the that's way chapter, life. chapter one is just the identification yeah. of look, this is how we are. This is who we are. And, uh, so. We're, we're waging war is part two, and that just means that the importance of supplies and logistics. Yeah, and which is which is interesting if we look at the Ukrainian situation. I not you know what I was that's that's funny because as I was looking through this and why don't we why don't, why don't we do this? It is come it comes up. Listening to reading the, 
following the Sun Tzu, the art of war, and of course, with the Ukrainian situation constantly in the background, yeah. I'm seeing it at every step. Right. Because so, the, the, the Russians had this 25-mile-long convoy of, of, you know... On a two-lane road or yeah, something. Military right? coming in, and they got stuck because they ran out of gasoline. I mean... What kind of moron designed this thing? So one of his things, one of uh, of Sun Tzu, uh, is that protracted war is is the last thing that you want. Right. So I'm guessing that the Russians were thinking the same thing. They're like, all right, we got to get this thing over with quick. So we're just going to give everybody three days rations, three days worth of gasoline, yeah. and we'll just knock this out. Which is another da, 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 da. Sun Tzu principle, which <laughs> is to attack fast. Yes. yes. He says, he says, so in a sense, that is the, that was the right thing. Yes. But what, I don't know what, I don't know how they botched this up, but then they got slowed they got down. Stuck, yeah. And then they're like, oh, I guess our three days rations and three days of gasoline <laughs> wasn't that great after right. all. Yeah. Exactly. So one Sun Tzu principle is to attack uh, quickly, but you also have to think about logistics and you know making sure that you soldiers are going to need food and all that other kind of stuff. So so they they apparently it seems like the Russians went for the quick uh, attack quickly part and yeah. forgot about the logistics part. Which yeah, because is, he is big on supplies and logistics and feeding your feeding your men. Yeah. And if you get caught in a protracted war, then, you know, there's a lot of supplies involved. There's a lot of money involved. Uh, you need to, number one, you need to know yourself and know your enemy. Right. And so, which I think was a miscalculation. Right, I think that that the way that they sort of waltzed in uh, to Crimea and said, "Guess what? You guys are part of Russia now." And they're like, "Oh, I guess we are." They figured that this would do the same thing. We'll just just come here. We'll 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 flex if we have to, blow a few things up. We'll do that. And remember how the United States thought we would be greeted as liberators when we went into yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll get into that too. So chapter three, planning offensives. Um, what I thought was interesting here is I, this, this little confuses me a little because the way this summary talks about this chapter is that a commander should limit destructive destruction inflicted on the enemy. But the supposedly Sun Tzu was reacting against sort of the Confucian model of like gentlemanly war. Uh-huh. And he was more the Machiavellian, you know, just Come on, wind dog on it. And this this concept of uh, limiting destruction, I think there's two ways to look at that. One way to look at limiting destruction is out of compassion on the people that you're destroying. Mm-hmm. But another way to look at limiting destruction is women. I might want to use those things later. Yes, these resources might be available. So yeah. it's, it's not a Napoleonic total war yeah. approach or recognition. And it's funny, so so siege, siege warfare again, didn't happen in Europe for a thousand years. Right. That they're already like, there's nothing more wasteful than a siege. Yeah. And can you imagine how, first of all, how boring it would be. Like, what do you, you're really just going to sit there and wait till they starve to death? They've got a lot of food. It's going to be a long time before they finish the food, and then you have to wait for them to starve and, to death? And while we're sitting out here, we got to go 
get our own food. And we have to get our own food, and who knows what allies that the people that we're sieging might be yeah. coming in the per- in the perimeter. Yeah. yeah, I can see why. See, uh, I don't know why sieging was a big deal in the in the castles of uh, of well, medieval, because, of because medieval they Europe. They didn't have the technology to get through the walls. They right. didn't have catapults. And, and he's like, you know, you don't want to do that. Attacking cities is is not. Uh, is, is I thought it the was last interesting. Way do, right, so, oh, where, where was the where is the bit about? There's a good the, quote the, about the how thing, f- fighting is kind of the last resort. Anyway, fighting, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So the first thing you want to do is well, is win without fighting. Right. The other one is to uh, is to get allies on your side. Yeah. The the third way is actually fighting the army in the field. Right. The last thing you want to do is, is engage in is right. engage in a dumb siege. Right. Um. So, all right, military disposition. All right, no, knowing when to attack and knowing when to defend. My thought, my thought on that was, well, I mean, that is super vague and super correct. But let's just say you meet your you meet your enemy on the battlefield, and you think, my gosh, if I give them a chance to to rest and get resources, we need to attack now. Yeah. Well, that that could be rash. That could be, you know, not. Quiet, uh, patiently thinking, assessing the situation. Right. But if you don't do it, it could be now you've now this is hesitation. It's, yeah. What's this? One, on the one case, it's 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 hasty and irresponsible. Mm-hmm. The other, the other, it's cowardly and hesitation. Exactly. And how this, do you know? This this reminded me of there's sort of a bias in our culture against military people it's like military people are stupid people who can't do well in business or politics or whatever else they go into the military and and i think that bias is really wrong-headed because in order to be an effective commander you need to be really really smart you yeah. need to, you need to think about all kinds of different yeah. questions these you know people who rise to the, the high ranks in the military they are well-read very thoughtful people who who have been studying things like this to, to figure out, okay, when, how do I know the difference between being too rash or being too timid? Yeah. How do I know the difference between, you know, because, capitalizing because in a far, as far as Sun Tzu is concerned, he's just saying, don't be rash, don't be too timid, right? It's like, yeah, okay, I get that. That's obvious. How do I do it? How, how, how much time do I take to send out scouts yeah. Find out, do a, you know, which has got to be the sh- crappiest job. Yeah. I mean, ballsiest job, right? So, all right, I need you five guys to get as close as you can to their 50,000 people without being, without being found out. Count all of them and then come back and report. Yeah. But that is the kind of intel you need. The, the arrogance of, we don't care who they are, what they are. We're the baddest army in town. We're going to go kick their A's. We don't need to know anything about them. Well, Sun Tzu's going, all right, that's exactly the way you get killed. Yeah, right. right. Thanks for joining us for Beer and Conversation with Pigweed and Crow Hill, where you'll find lighthearted chats and deep dives. We hope you enjoy our beer reviews and banter. After which we cover everything from Tolstoy to Thomas Sowell. From God to the Green New Deal. From UFOs to UBI. From Ted Cruz to time travel. From home brewing to homeschooling. From transcendentalism to trans madness. You can reach us with your question or comment at pigweedshow at gmail.com. 
Exactly. Because when you, when the, when the other guy knows everything about you and you don't know anything about them, they have a huge advantage. And right. so anyway, I've, I've listened to some lectures by people from military colleges and, and whatnot. And I'm always astonished. And, and this is, this is just betraying my bias growing up, thinking of the military as not being all that smart. Um, just the way I was raised. They're really smart. Right. When, when you get up into those upper levels of the yes. military, those yes. guys, they know what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the guys the guys out of West Point and Naval Academy yeah. and of these guys are... They've studied stuff. Stu- yeah. ...schooled in all of this. And, they, and think, think about it. They've got to. I mean, the, the safety of the nation is at stake. Right. You think we're, you're going to put a bunch of morons in charge of that? Right. It's, but the thing, the, what, what has impressed me is the... Administrative level. Actually, I think I noticed it more when I started start reading about the the the, the Roman Empire. Yeah, it's, it's yes operations and supply and all that. Yes, stuff. it's amazing administration. Right. Yeah. I mean, if having having food and and in modern age, you know, toilet paper. Well, you can't have all the bullets over here and all the toilet paper over there, right? right? I mean, so it's the most mundane, yeah. boring aspect of war mm-hmm. that wins wars, yes. really. Supposedly, the Russian army claimed, or some Russian generals claimed that spam helped them win World War II. <laughs> <laughs> Having you know, this high-protein, uh, yeah, high-calorie meat right. didn't it, go bad. Com- compact, never right. goes bad. Yeah. All right, strategic military power, uh, managing your troops in all situations. Yeah. That that one didn't really. No, no, no. But then I, I think, which is what's interesting is, it looks like eight, nine, ten, maybe even eleven, are all have to do with the terrain. Yeah, well, I'm going to back up to six. Yeah, okay. right. um, the enemy should be forced to react or be provoked into reaction. A commander should not make it obvious where he's attacking, but probe and find the enemy's weakness. And the, I, so not only did I read some stuff about Sun Tzu, but I also read some of these, you know, Sun Tzu and marketing, Sun Tzu and business <laughs> yeah, and that, yeah. that other kind of stuff. And they try to apply these things into a business context. And the idea is, so one example was United was trying to attack Southwest and beat Southwest in the, uh, in the cheap flights mm-hmm. for, for short term mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so, so you would call that the battlefield. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's right. Because you could be the niche market for high end flyers. Yeah. That would be one battlefield. Yeah. The other battlefield is the appeal to the cheapest. So, so while United was attacking Southwest in this particular market, Southwest then went, looked, looked at where does United make its money? And saw that United was making most of its money in these long, uh, longer flights. So Southwest started challenging them on the longer flights. So like, like a flanking move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and cut in, cut into their revenue source and w- made it so that United could no longer attack them in that other area. So, so kind of drove them back. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, total military application. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, if you think about business, some things about business are very similar to some things about war. Yeah, and I could see, you know, politics, sports. Yeah, I mean, anywhere that there's competition and uh, conflict. Yeah, 
that some of these principles. Yeah, think about it with football. You know, don't don't attack them where they're strong. Attack, yeah. You know, attack them where they're weak, and and make them think you're attacking them over there, but attack them over here. I mean, it's the same basic sort of. Right. What do they say that uh, the Sun Tzu is that all of war is deception? Right. Right. Making you think that this is what your interest is, and yeah. So if you're getting ready to move on a company, yeah, you would make them think that you were doing something else, right? <laughs> yes. Right. And all of a sudden, when it's too late, they realize what you're actually doing. Yeah. So what are the other? And this this gets uh, this, that, that same principle gets into these you know maneuvering the army, occupying the high ground, understanding what's so going on with the that? terrain, so, all that. Obviously, both commanders know what's the good ground. So you beat them to the good ground, knowing that this is where you want to be and not down there. He must know that too. How do you get him to attack uphill? Well, that's exactly what happened at Gettysburg, right? The um, the North took the the ridges before the South got there, right? And the South ended up just and destroying. You're, so you're way out of your element. Yeah, you've got we've well, got two choices here. You go home, right? Was it Buford? I, I, I might. I'm not sure exactly who it was. But Chamberlain some dismounted there. cavalry, cavalry. Sorry, dismounted cavalry. Uh, near the the seminary, near Seminary Hill, yeah. took took the high ground, and uh, Jackson's lieutenants, who were now you know generals in their own right, kept attacking this position where the men had repeating rifles, and so the 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 Union got the high ground, and the South just kept attacking it and kept attacking it, and that like ruined the position. That, that was day one. And that ruined their positions for the rest of the battle because now well, the North had the high the high ground. Well, and one of well, one of the Sun Tzu's is to uh, if they appear unified, divide them. Mm. So I, I guess that uh, that probably was one of the tactics, right? Mm-hmm. Was to penetrate because it's a long thin line, right? They wanted so, to break in the middle. So if That's, you can break that, it in the middle, yeah, yeah, that was that was General Lee's idea. Was to try that. That's where they're vulnerable, right? That spot right. in the middle and that ridiculous charge to try to take that spot. Yeah, was based on that idea. Was to try to divide them. Yeah, yeah. And do you, do you think that it was available to officers in the Civil War? That's an interesting you, question. Do you, you think, think, do you think General Lee read any of that stuff? I don't know. I mean, he was an educated man too. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, you know, oh, he yeah. went to West Point. He was West Point. And, yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, maybe he thought, maybe he, it was a misguided thought. The idea of dividing the enemy does not necessarily mean divide them militarily, right? There may be some other way to divide them. Mm-hmm. And and trying to think, okay, I have to divide the enemy, therefore I have to attack here. I don't think that's what Sun Tzu was, was saying. The idea is you want to divide the enemy so that once they're in smaller pieces, you can destroy the smaller pieces. That doesn't necessarily mean... March uphill against you know. Yes, I mean, hopefully you're 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 finding a weak point in the line. Yeah, and that I saw this interesting video that showed battles over the our 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 history where the loser, well, either the winner or the either either the winner applied Sun Tzu or failed to apply hmm. Sun Tzu, and one of them was. 
that disastrous battle by the, the Romans against the Carthaginians, where they feigned weakness in the middle. Right. The, 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 the Romans ran in, and then they engulfed them on all sides. Right, yeah. And, and, and murdered all of them. Pincer so, maneuver, is that what it's called? The pin, yeah. yeah, the yeah. double pincer, right. right. Yeah. And yeah, that was the beginning of the double pincer, but it wasn't because they were actually weak in mm-hmm. the middle. Right. It was feigning weakness yeah. in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. The, the idea is to make the other guy think something different than what's really going on. I, so I, I, I also saw this, this, this paper, that was strictly devoted to the Viet Cong. Yeah. And how in every, like, basically, Sun Tzu, before the whole thing started, would have gone, look, looked over the whole situation going, Viet Cong are going to win this thing. Because, and, and he's been an inspiration to asymmetrical guerrilla warfare hmm. before there was, which didn't exist in his time. But, his teachings have yeah. been finding so, weakness in the enemy. Yeah. So, so actually, that's an interesting point. So, one of the things that came up in the um, in our time podcast about Sun Tzu was that Sun Tzu seems to be more applicable to the underdog. It's more applicable to the guerrilla, which is warfare. interesting because he certainly wasn't writing it with, with that in mind. Yeah, it doesn't seem right. Well, I, yeah, I'm not sure exactly the historical context, but but they were saying that. It seems to be better for the guy who has the smaller army, right. better for the guy who who is trying to uh, deceive and manipulate the other side. It's not a reliance on brute strength. It's thinking in strategic situations. It's trying to outthink the enemy and move fast. Right. Yeah. And right. Knowing they so the Viet Cong. Knew our tactics and strategies in a way that we did not know theirs. Right, and that was the so in, in that was supposedly why it turned out the way he did. Supposedly Mao used a lot of Sun Tzu in his. And, uh, and I would say the Taliban. Yeah, has probably done the same thing. I mean, right. what what would given our strengths? Yeah, you have, what, you have what, to what would we have done differently in World War, in in Vietnam? Uh, I mean, they've got the they've got the terrain, they've got uh, tactics that we you know underground tunnels. Uh, they've got these hitting. I mean, other than you know a nuclear bomb on Hanoi, well, so even would that have done anything? So, supposedly, there was a dam. That if we had destroyed that dam, it would have like wiped out huge portions of <laughs> Vietnam. But we weren't willing to be that dastardly. Well, right? So, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the other thing. So, so that twelve is incendiary. How about employing spies? That's interesting, uh, and I wonder how employing spies would translate to other to in, in a modern context. Wow. Okay. Right? Well, that's so, an interesting idea. Are there Right? Aren't, don't corporations hire people away from other corporations in yeah. order to find out what they're doing? So, actually, I was I was reading when I went through this uh, Sun Tzu and business or whatever yeah, the heck yeah. it was. Um, they were talking about these conflicts between different businesses and how they would have to try to learn what the other side was up to mm-hmm. and and you know what's their culture. That's where, very Sun Tzuian, where, right? Yeah. Where, where did 
the, the guys who are in the C-suite at that culture, where did they study? What are their biases? Where, where did they come from? Why would they be thinking this way rather than that way? <laughs> yeah. and, and one thing I thought was that if one thing you could do is you could take some of your workers and say, look, we're going to pay you to go work for those guys. I, I know. And give us corporate That's intelligence. What I'm yeah. And how about this? In this sense, uh, you, you're about to trade a wide receiver from the Redskins. Don't you trade him to the West Coast and not to somebody's going to be fighting and not to the Cowboys? Right? Yeah, exactly. Or, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's in, in a sense, he's kind of giving away your playbook. Exactly. And now what do you, now you're going to have to, now what, now what are you going to do? We're going to change the calls. We're going to change the, the formations yeah, because he's already given away. Yeah. I mean, what do we have some, to change now? Cause he's, so, uh, I've heard, I don't know what podcasts that I've been listening to that seem to advertise business wars, mm. which sounds fascinating. I just haven't, haven't done it, but it's Coke versus Pepsi, right? Microsoft versus, uh, uh, so apparently, Apple, you know, apparently McDonald's. I bet there's a lot of this. Yeah, what, what seems to be battlefield maneuvers. Yeah. going on in Mc, business. McDonald's found out that Burger King right. was trying to attack them on in their fries, <laughs> and and what McDonald's did was they knew they had a winning formula for fries, but what they wanted to make sure that all their uh, all their stores were following the right procedures. So they went out to all the stores and emphasized, make sure you cook them this amount of time, make sure you salt them the right amount, all that other kind of well, stuff. Well, yeah, consistency is, right, is everything with, yeah. with, uh, that's right. With chains and fran- with franchises, right? right? You can't go in and just hope that that's, this fry maker makes them the same as that fry maker. If, that yeah, has if to I, be if the I same. Go, if I go to the franchise in Georgia, I want to get exactly the same thing as if I go to the franchise in Virginia. <laughs> exactly. So how about, let me um, know your enemy, right? Yeah. So that was the first thing we talked about. What I have heard in the news, to bring it back to Ukraine, um, is Putin... Uh, uh, Erratic and unpredictable because he's a nut job, or is that you? The, we, he doesn't want you to know his next move. Yeah. So when people are going, where's his air force? Isn't he supposed to have a great air force? Is it because he's a because he knows that the Ukrainians have been supplied with something, or does he have some other cagey move? Right. So is uh, the fact that people are the fact that people are wondering is he erratic nut job? Or is he skilled and unpredictable? Crazy like a fox. Crazy yeah. like a fox. I, yeah. I don't, is it working I don't in his favor, or yeah. is he actually just just really doesn't know what he's doing? I really don't understand why Russia is having such a hard time putting down Ukraine because Russia has a huge air force. Why aren't there Where planes? Are why aren't there planes attacking? Not. I'm not. I'm not. Obviously, I'm not in favor of the <laughs> Russians here, but. I don't Hopefully understand. they're not listening to our <laughs> excellent advice. Yeah, I don't understand <laughs> why the planes aren't attacking positions in in Kiev, in, uh, Kiev or whatever. In I know it's Kiev. Place. My entire life, until five minutes ago, it was Kiev. You know what I heard? And now everyone, here's, where's the Kiev come from? Here's the deal: the Russian pronunciation is Kiev, and the Ukrainian pronunciation is Kiev. Oh, I see. So now we're on their side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So trying to say. Yeah, I mean, my entire it. life, it's been Kiev. I know. Yes. 
I've been a Russian sympathizer. Exactly. I didn't you even coming. know it. <laughs> so, uh, <coughs> so uh, I don't know what to say. So, oh, I, 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 I love, I love prison shows, prison movies, prison documentaries. Yeah. From all that time you spent in prison. But, well, hey, let's not talk about that. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah. want the kiddies out there to. Uh misunderstand get the wrong idea get the wrong idea of what a badass i am um was yes i remember you talking about shivs in the episode yeah yeah. uh uh prison gang leaders yeah reading sun Sun Tzu. Tzu. (laughs) which makes sense right it's all it's all about waiting waiting for your knowing your enemy right it's like all right so the other gang leader the leader just got shipped out to another prison yeah. Now's the time to strike. You know what right. I mean? Like, why wouldn't it apply to? Uh... It's a, so, so one thing that I got from the in our time uh, podcast about this was it's really about Sun Tzu. What it's, it's not really about war. What it's about is thinking in strategic situations. Right. That's right. Exactly. That 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 accounts for its longevity and its application in so many in other so areas. many other areas. That's right. right. Yeah. How about in love? Do you think you could uh, provide that for conquering women? I'll have to think about that. <laughs> well, at least look for their weaknesses and vulnerabilities <laughs> before you strike. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't usually like to think about conquering women. To tell you the truth, <laughs> do you know that that is that that is the exact word in in Mexico that is used to woo? Yeah, to win a woman's right. favor. Yeah. is conquistar. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the word is conquer. Okay, but, but I mean, in I a loving way, I kind of like woo better than uh, <laughs> woo, woo. Seems more like oh, it's like more like inviting. It's more inviting than than, <laughs> than conquering. conquering. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, a man has got to be a man, but still, <laughs> but still, I, I, I still kind of like the woo <laughs> side of that. All right, <laughs> all right, Sunsi. There's uh, yeah, it's very interesting. I. I, I, I Heard about it my my uh, my whole life, but really never just taken a few minutes out to go. All right, so what exactly is going on with this art of war? Yeah. Heard it referred to it so many times, but right. I get it. Yeah, yeah. So so I I want to I've I've read some of it. I want to go back and and take a portion of it, just some small portion, and like think about it for a few days. You know, I think I think that's really the way you need to read it. It's not just yeah. not just read it the way we read things. Yeah. But no. to but to stop and say, you know what what I mean, do you, each, what's each, the implication of this? When you say that, you're saying this thing, okay, I got that. Right, because but, it is it is it is broad, it is vague. Yes. But that doesn't mean it's empty. It's, yes, exactly. Yeah. The idea the idea sometimes is not necessarily to provide an answer. But to help you understand the question, so you can think uh, about it. Wow, that's a very Asian there we go. way of <laughs> yes. looking at things. Yeah, and there was something going on that you've got Sun Tzu, the Tao Te Ching, and uh, Confucius all coming out of Relatively the same region same, yeah. in the same time frame. Right? Things were really so going on back then. You get, then, yeah. you know, well, it's, but it is like that, right? There are bursts yes. of bursts of creativity in uh-huh. different places and different times. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, they, one thing inspires another, and, right. and then you get a lull. But uh, yeah, that was must have been an interesting time. All right, so you got a man of the week for us. I do. It's Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, and so I am going to give you two options here. Okay. So the 
the way that it's a procedure, let's just say you could perform a procedure on a child right. that would prevent them from developing in a natural way. Okay. You could either characterize it the way that this uh, the way that this article characterizes it, or the way that the Texas Attorney General characterizes it. Okay. So so you are augmenting, affecting, or preventing the normal de- human development of a child. Okay, so I would be against Is augmenting it, hold, or preventing. Wait, wait a minute. I'm giving you two choices. Here. Okay, all right. Your two choices are, is it a gender-affirming medical treatment or is it child abuse? Yeah. So so here's, here's the problem. G- gender has become such a confused term. Because... Gender-affirming medical care. Yeah. So I, I like... I like the way the Dark Horse podcast guys, Brett Weinstein and Heather Hying, talk about sex and gender. Mm. Sex is the hardware and gender is the software. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a, a good way to look at the question. But I think the, the, the software side of it, the gender side of it, has gone so too far. It's gone so we've crazy. Ignored the we, we've, we, we've ignored the hardware side of it. And and also, I think we've also lost the perspective that children are children, doggone it. And we don't we don't like let them make life altering decisions until they're grown. So you know? uh, it must have been a, a year ago or maybe more when I said Will there become a time in the future, when these children become adults, mm-hmm. and the the girls go, why did uh, you thanks, let me do thanks, this? Thanks, mom. I've chopped my boobs off. Mm-hmm. And the son goes, thanks, mom. I got underdeveloped junk, and I can't I can't make kids. Mm-hmm. And mom goes, well, you said you wanted to be a boy or a girl. And yeah. they go, yeah, I was seven. Right. I mean, how irresponsible of you! Yeah, and you know, and that they are charged that they are charged those, with child abuse. Those, those court cases are just starting. Well, yeah, because and, now, yeah, yeah, and and isn't it isn't it a shame? I mean, think about think about what's really going on here. Something that happened fifteen years ago is now finally getting into the courts. We're finally starting to redress it because with all after all the damage that's been done. Exactly. So we're. I think in the next. 10 years, we're going to see an avalanche of these sorts of cases where kids are coming out saying, how could you possibly, as an adult, have listened to what I said? I want to see people, I want to see kids suing their own parents and parents going to jail and... Uh, so, uh, so, uh, Texas attorney Ken Paxton has issued a legal opinion defining certain gender affirming health care for transgendered kids as child abuse. And, and, you know, the thing is. This is happening soon. I, yeah. I thought, I thought it was going to take 10 years for that, this to happen. So, yeah. thank and, God. and the thing is, obviously, the world is a confusing place and weird things happen. Fine. But let's wait till they're an adult till they make those decisions, for heaven's sake. Yeah. You don't, you don't let them make any, you don't make them make decisions on what they're having for breakfast. Exactly. Exactly. You're a grown up. They're a kid. Yes. When, when children are children, you treat them like children. You tell them, I'm sorry. I don't care if you don't like that. You're going to eat it. That's just what being a parent is about. However, and, when it comes to gender affirming medical treatments, yeah. now it's the child, it's the child. And of course, some, uh, some uh, enabling teacher at their elementary school 
who is going to make the decision they for you. They get to make the decision. It's so really let's sick. hope that I, I want to see parents go to jail and doctors. Well, I, I don't like the idea of anybody going to jail, but I do want to see this whole thing get jail turned over. I don't want this. I don't want. I don't want parents capitulating to seven-year-olds about, oh, I think I'm a girl. Okay, fine. Let's wait a couple years and see how you think. All right. Our man of the week is Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. Way to go, Ken. If you like Beer and Conversation with Pigweed and Crowhill, please like it, share it, give us a good review, post it to Facebook, all that good stuff. Thank you so much.